If you're a Queen fan and a Freddie Mercury fan, and really who isn't, very, very exciting day today as Universal Music has released for the first time previously unheard and unreleased music by Queen frontman Freddie Mercury. Now, this song originally recorded back in 1986. It's called Time Waits for No One. Have a listen. Time waits for nobody. Yes. Brand, well, I'm going to call it brand new stuff because it's never been heard, unheard of uh, material from a Freddie Mercury. A video to accompany the song also released today. Unseen performance footage of a Freddie Mercury recorded in London back in April of 1986. Here's music expert Eric Alper. He joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Uh, Eric, uh, you excited about this, this new Freddie Mercury? Yeah, this is as good as you can really hope. Um, you know, the, 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 the process of, of finding unreleased material, sometimes when you are an artist that has, you know, a couple of decades worth of material already under your career, sometimes you run the risk of after you pass away or you die that, um, you know, your estate will start releasing stuff that maybe you didn't want originally out there. But, you know, in all appearances and in talking to the producer dave clark um this morning this this was a song that freddie adored and so that leads to all good things when if you're a queen or a freddie mercury fan yeah listen i'm with you when it comes to unreleased material sometimes it feels like a cash grab and that uh, this unreleased material was uh, unreleased uh, for a reason for that you know like look it's really really cool i think if you want to hear six cds worth of beatles material of sergeant peppers um but i tend my brain tends to think oh everything is off and you know look i have an opinion you have an opinion we're both kind of smart people my guess though is like i'm going to defer to paul mccartney and john lennon on this you know um (laughs) and i kind of defer that that attitude of freddie mercury even though that he did release um, this song before with uh, with the video that accompanies it to Top of the Pops back in 1986 when it was first released. But I think that this version of it is exactly, I think that if he heard it um, without all of the bells and whistles except for piano and his voice, uh, I think he'd be pretty stoked at it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I hear it, I, I just hear those vocals, those powerful vocals of Freddie Mercury. And uh, this is the power of music. It just takes you back, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because you know, back when they recorded this, this was done. This was done with ninety-six tracks. So that means that each track is a voice or an instrument or um, just a level of music that you hear. In Abbey Road, they never went below forty-eight tracks. So even the Beatles or the best of artists only had forty-eight different kind of channels in order to to kind of put this music on. They doubled that with this one. They were actually did. 224 tracks and then doubled that. So it, it, it's kind of like 
wow, it's not even a a mystery of how this song got made, but then by stripping all of that out, except for Freddie's voice and the piano, I think that's sometimes the best part of Bohemian Rhapsody is just when it's him and his piano. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is this a good news or bad news thing for the band, for Queen, who has been touring, of course, with Adam Lambert, because uh, their name's back in the news, people are talking about them, but, and this is a big but, this just makes me miss Freddie even more. Yeah, I I think that if you're queen, you probably have hit a level of stardom and fame and money in the bank that you are well beyond the, well, this could hurt us or make us miss people even more. Um, I I, I don't think it's a coincidence that this song came out right after Bohemian Rhapsody and the band is on tour, Um, but I also think that it's a standalone feature that we might see a a, a few more of this. I'm sure at the record label Universal, they're going through the vaults. I'm positive to say, well, what else can we do without damaging the reputation of the greatness that is Freddie Mercury? Yeah, and do you think when it comes to other artists, it's just a it's a matter of time, and uh, timing is so important when it comes to show business, of course. Uh, and I'm thinking of like Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. I mean, it's been decades since we lost uh, Freddie, and as uh, time passes, uh, it doesn't feel as much of a cash grab maybe by the estate as it does. Uh, we just want to remember the, these artists. Yeah, I think everything is all in hindsight. You know, yesterday they announced that Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison's holograms are going to go out on tour together. I like that idea. I know online there's a lot of people that are just thinking um, we don't really need that. We saw the Beatles, of course, being remixed with Love with that album that was the soundtrack to to the Circuit de Soleil um, um, uh, play in Las Vegas, and that worked really, really well. Elvis and Junkie XL being remixed by him back in the Olympic days of like 20 years ago, that worked out really well. I don't think that you and I have top of mind ones that don't and maybe should have just stayed in the vault. Okay, uh, meantime, I want to ask you about this lawsuit that's been launched against uh, Carrie Underwood, the NFL, and NBC. Uh, they say that uh, Carrie's song, which is called A Game On, that serves as the theme song for Sunday Night Football, is uh, plagiarized. A singer Heidi Merrill and three other songwriters have launched this suit. Uh, let's hear both of them, starting with uh, here's Carrie Underwood's Game On. And here's the uh, similar song, at least so she claims, from Heidi Merrill. Okay, so Heidi and her team says that they actually submitted this song to Carrie and her team, and it was rejected by Carrie, but they're now uh, claiming that these songs are uh, too similar. Uh, What say you, Eric? Well, what's interesting about this is that this is the reason why I tell any artist whatsoever to never submit songs just out of the blue for other artists to listen to or want to collaborate without actually protecting yourself. If you are an independent artist like Heidi Merrill is, and you are going up against Carrie Underwood and the NFL, um, you better have your lawyers in check because not... I wouldn't be worried about his or her bill. I'd be worried about the NFL's bill just to take a look at it. What's going to be interesting is how the NFL and Carrie Underwood take a look at this because you don't get to be this big in both areas of revenue in terms of Carrie and music and NFL and sports. 
to not have at least these things happen probably once a day, if not once a week. <laughs> and they just might actually pay off a little bit of money to Heidi just to make her go away. That's oh, not okay. unlikely. Yeah, let me ask you, because I get about 30 seconds. If this uh, goes to a, a court, how would a, a judge or jury decide this? Uh, would it be like, uh, is the baseline similar, the, the words, the, the, the phrasing? Is there a formula? Yeah, you can't really copyright a title or the feel of the song, but you can definitely go based on pork on chord progression and the way that the melody and the way that the words are laid out. It's not quite a slam dunk from what I hear so far, um, but you know, stranger things have happened in the court of law. All right. Eric Elper, music expert with us this afternoon. Eric, appreciate the time as always. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me.